What's good? Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle, and I'm here, of course, with my co-host, Courtney Stith. Courtney, how are you? Well, I'm with the people, not officially, but my neighbors have been having the time of their lives this Halloween. And so, as a result, you will get to hear kids screaming outside. I don't know, I opened my door uh, to our patio, and I was like, ah... There's, there are there are things afoot here. I saw just a random child in a princess <laughs> dress, and I was like, Hell yeah. where's your parent? Uh, <laughs> just a, just a, a child alone? I just saw a child dress. alone, and I was okay. like, it's It's good. like the Dave Chappelle skit. You, skit. you just see a baby on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly. <laughs> 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, I was like, God bless. We have like a courtyard in between these two buildings. I was like, you probably live in one of these two buildings. But I was like, whose child is this? Um, just a loose child. It literally just a loose child. But, you know. Needing a nap, probably needing a sleep, definitely needing a vacation. My usual state. Uh, yeah, I definitely am team get Courtney a vacation. Um, feel like you just been going for forever. Even even when at the World Cup, you were still working, and I was like, no, that's that's absolutely should be a false thing. That should not be allowed. But uh, yeah. Well, so. yeah. By the time you came, I yeah, because I couldn't just like fully take a month off, so I was still doing still doing some work things by the end, but. We keep moving. I just need, um, I'm just really mad at all the European leagues that normally take a Christmas break. Just decided to not do that this year. And I was like, you don't get a break. That means we don't get a break. Why are you <laughs> like this? That That's our fault, by the way. Not not like us, this podcast, me and you, but just like America and, and like the, the extreme capitalist mindset. It's like we got ads to sell. We got a captive audience. Like we're going to put stuff on TV, which basically means nobody involved in any television from the players to you uh, gets that time off. And it's kind of whack. It's extremely whack. But this is this is this is where we at. We could talk about that for the rest of the podcast. But this is not an economics podcast. <laughs> and that would be really frustrating to the people. But uh, fuck capitalism is where I'm at. I mean, that's I can't lie. That's where I'm always at very often how I feel because I'm like why why do we need to be why does anything need to be this way that's how I feel right right okay before we devolve into all that we're gonna move on (laughs) we got other things to talk about (laughs) I might have to um Riz's baby hello friend of the pod Riz (laughs) and the Halloween costume is so cute yeah, we, we've oh already God. seen quite a few Halloween costumes that are great. There's there's a couple that I'm going to bring up at the end of the podcast that are going to be absolutely hilarious, and I want the people to go find them because they're great. Is, but, is one of them? Uh, wait, is okay. one of them related to Casey Kruger? It, it sure is. Oh, I'm not going to. I just had to know because otherwise I was going to put it in there. It is incredible, but we gonna we gonna do what we do first. A review. We read a review in the podcast. We thank y'all for reviewing the podcast and rating the podcast. If you have an app that allows you to do either or both, please do. We appreciate it. Helps us grow. Helps people find us. All that good stuff. You always hear podcasters begging. Uh, we know different. We're going to beg too. Thank you. Here's a review from Tropical Vegetable. I'm here for it. It's called Moonshots and Joy. Here it is. As was over the moon to put another fan onto this show. Sharing the show might have been the best combo, at least on my side, in months. I say that as someone who frequents dog parks, community centers, playgrounds, eek, I even enjoyed going to a country club this month. Thanks, Courtney and Andre, for bringing the joy and facts that are bangers. Yo, you know what? I love this review. We're better than a because... dog park. That's high marks. <laughs> right, exactly. We getting shot at a dog park. But that's kind of where I was going with this is that, like, 
I yes, please rate and review all that stuff because people who are in these spaces and listen to podcasts, like that's how they can end up finding it. But yo, that that person to person word of mouth is so underrated these days. And just straight up bless you, tropical vegetable, for giving us the word of mouth, the one on one chats to the people. I really appreciate it. Is a tropical vegetable the best friend of a tropical fruit? That's my question for you. I'm- I was unprepared for this oh, question, so oh, I was no, going to say yes. I meant uh, the no. our the the person who so kindly reviewed us. Oh, so that's my okay. question. I'm glad that question wasn't for not me. Lit- <laughs> not, no, not exactly. You. I was just like, yes? <laughs> question mark. Um, but yes, always really appreciate the reviews, and also sharing with a friend. You know, no doubt. Sometimes you need something to talk about. If there's no drama, good like drama that doesn't involve like good drama that doesn't involve you in your life. You need other things to talk about. Talk about this podcast. I'm here for it. It's all good. Um, okay. Rundown. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team because they had two games against Columbia, and we definitely need to talk about them and things related to the game and maybe some post-match commentary that didn't need to happen. Uh, we'll talk about that. We're going to preview the NWSL semifinals because those NWSL is back right in the thick of playoffs. So two semifinals coming up this weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Ballon d'Or because um, some things happened. It's kind of interesting. And also, you know, I got to I got to I got to live in my in my dream world where Aitana Bomati uh, goes to college, which is kind of hilarious. So we'll, uh-uh, we'll don't don't it. subject her. <laughs> don't subject her to the state of Oregon and do not subject her. Hey, she almost did it. Herself. Do not subject it her me. to the NCAA. Listen, it almost happened. And listen, she could. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, if she still wants to to live that American dream, I know a place where she can come. I know so a place with I'm her um, fellow Spain teammates and a Spanish speaking coach. See, we weren't even supposed to start that right now. We're going we to get into a You're break starting an agenda, and I'm track. right there next to you on the other side. <laughs> I'm just, I, all I was trying to do was hint, hint, hint at the conversation. That's it. It's setting up the show. That's all. That's all. I'm innocent. Uh, anything else before we get started? <laughs> no. All right, so let's talk about this U.S. Women's National Team game, two of them against Columbia. Honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say about the first game. It ended nil-nil. It was some of the exact same boring shit that we saw during the Olympics. It was unimaginative. It was really ridiculous. It was annoying. Alice Morgan can't score goals. Uh, What else? That's all I got. Um, Not saying that either team is mid. I want to make that clear. However, that the first three... (laughs) We saw four halves of soccer. The first three had the vibes of like two mid-tier table teams that are afraid of dropping points. Yeah. That's exactly yep. how I describe it. Because I was like, well, first of all, I was getting annoyed. <laughs> because I was like, this is just, it's just Vlaco 2.0. And I'm honestly kind of annoyed a bit at Twilight Kilgore where I'm like, you had the opportunity to do something really fun. Like, the accession, I mean, I understand last match window, like in October, no, sorry, in September, you know, you had your contractual obligation. Also, those matches were goodbyes for Julie Ertz, Pino, like, you know, obviously very sentimental. I don't expect you to stir the pot, and I think that's fine. This match window, I was like, I'm expecting something else, and I know that players are on minutes restrictions, or at least should be on minutes restrictions from their clubs, but I'm like come on, like, 
show us something. And I mean, I think that's really what we saw in the second half of that last match where they just decided the, the like the U S team decided to come alive. Um, also an extremely crunchy match. Fundamentally, there were so many fouls, like 14 fouls in the first 11 minutes, which I was like, good God, like this match is crunchy. It's really not fun to watch. Um, yeah, like I was just like that, you know, this is what these windows are for of like, try, like not continuing the same old that we've seen. And for three quarters of that match, that's what we saw. It was the same old that we have seen. Obviously, I'm thrilled that Mia Official got her first international goal. I'm thrilled that Jaden Shaw got her first international goal. Also, that Jaden Shaw goal was an absolute banger. Lindsay Rand's volley, also an absolute banger. Mia Official's um, fadeaway jumper header. That's really how I describe it. Um, also and a new banger. Selly. New good, great new Selly. Um, so it's like, yeah, it was good for that. But I mean, for everything else, I was just like disappointed to say the least. And I know everyone right now is like kind of piling onto the U S like people who were like even champion championing Vlaco at times when we were like, we are deeply unsure about this man. And for good as look, I'll, I'll pat us both on the pack for good reason. But like those first three, Matt, like those first three halves were pretty dismal. Yeah. And you said, um, what'd you say? She had the Twilight Kilgore had the opportunity to to do something different. She could have spiced I'll, it up. I'll go even further. I think she had a duty to do something different. Um, I, I think that this, if we did not have the Olympics next year, I would say, okay, fine. You know, whatever. Wait for the new coach to come in, assess, do the things, figure things out. But there's another major tournament coming up real soon. Like, like real soon. And you don't have that many camps, that many windows to get shit right. First of all, I would have loved to see an actual coach appointed by now. Apparently, there's supposed to be one uh, before the December camps. We'll see. Serena Beekman, but, please. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Uh, but yeah, I. so the first starting 11 was pretty much exact. Not pretty much. It was exactly the one trotted out in, in structure and in personnel as the game against Sweden, except for Alana Cook was in for Julie Ertz at center back. So other than that, I believe it was the exact same lineup and they played the exact same way and they had the exact same troubles and issues scoring. But also it's like, I understand like they found something that worked, right? And so they wanted to see, okay, can we just, is this the solution? And it's like that solution, which let's remember, right? Let's rewind the tape. That solution, as we have heard now recently from multiple players, was they said, uh, we ain't going out like this. Here's what we're going to do. And so it kind of like, OK, so you take that and you just decide to copy paste for every other opponent when Colombia's not Sweden. So why are you doing that? Especially like we don't this is not a tournament where like you go home if you lose or draw the game like you, you can do something else if you happen to take that L. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But like do something different uh, in the in these games. And that's what was so frustrating. So I agree with you. The first three halves, which is already like like really a poor use, poor use of time, given that the transition of this team is now what? At least two years behind. It should have it should have been in, in reality. It probably should have it probably should have started at pre-Olympics, but definitely post-Olympics, given the way that ended. 
and we're still still here waiting for it. And we got a little glimpse of it with the the, the last half of the, of the second game. So we got one 45-minute period, and my God, the difference in how the team looked with just Jaden Shaw and me official in the game. The difference. Columbia had a hard time dealing with me official. The cleverness of her runs, her spacing, her hold-up play – Gave them something completely different to worry about. Jaden Shaw and just her movement and intelligence and what she does. Mm -hmm. This was, it was creating so many chances. Then later on, Alyssa Thompson comes in. Like, it was night and day. The difference is so stark. And I'm just like, yo, what have we been waiting for? Why have we been beating our heads against the wall? Doing the same things and pandering to the vets when we know the talent that we have waiting to get in. The days of waiting until that talent is 24, 25, 26, 27, 28 to quote unquote earn a spot on the team are over. These kids are ready right now. And that's exactly what we saw in that second half of that second game when basically three goals were scored. Two of them from uh, Jaden, one from Jaden Shaw, one from me official. And then uh, Haran had a really sick volley uh, to make it 3 0. But yeah, that was that, that that's that's what we've been clamoring for. It's just like, give them a chance and they will show you they deserve to play. Well, Why did it take so long? And I mean, I think a part of that too is like, obviously it's hard. If, like if things were working for the U.S., if the U.S. goes and gets to a semifinal of the World Cup, let's say wins, a, let's say like wins third place, something like that. You can make the argument, okay, and I mean, this is like a common argu- argument to make, right? Like when things are working, it's like, okay, who you benching, right? If they're going out, if they're dominating games, if they're winning by many goals, and also... Not even dominating games on the scoreline, because I know that was a thing that I think protected Vlaco a lot, was that the U.S. was winning by three, four, five, sometimes six, seven goals. But there were, but the thing is, the U.S. would win by that many goals, but then still get carved out, like completely cut through. Like I think about yep. that game, it actually happened in both, in both sets of friendlies against Mexico before the U.S. went to the World Cup, um, where we had that incredible goal that never counted, which would have should have one of Puskas. Um, but with that, like, in those games, yes, they were dominating Mexico, but there were still two or three moments where Mexico found a way to carve through the U.S. And it's like, if you were going on being world beaters, that in theory should never happen. Yeah, sometimes, like, maybe a team gets you by a ball over the top, and it's like, sure. But, like, not carve, like carving through your, like, completely, like, getting through your press and carving through your midfield in four passes Think about that like, goal that Nigeria scored. They cut us up. Right. Well, rewatch that goal. It, they cut us up. Right. Like, that is something that should never happen. And so, um, kind of back to my point of, like, all right, if things are working for the U.S. and maybe you're like, oh, not saying me offic- a player like me official or a player like Jane Shaw doesn't deserve a call-up, but it's like, who are you benching? Who are you taking off? Because things are really working right now. As we've seen, truly for the past two years, but – it's become ex- increasingly evident to the people who have not wanted to see it that things are not working. And so I think that's also a big reason why people have been clamoring for players like me, official for players like Jaden Shaw. Um, and also on top of that, when you have players like an Alex Morgan who cannot find the back of the net for the U.S. And also to be and like I, even connecting it to another vet that just retired of like maybe people were mad about, you know, Pino not coming through in big moments and barring her missing that penalty against Sweden, Pino has been very, very clutch in big moments as opposed to, at least for me, in my opinion, as opposed to a player like 
Alex Morgan. You know, you just know, like, I think about that 2019 World Cup run, right? Like, big moments, it was Mega Rapino. Um, and so, like, looking at this game, like, looking at these games, it was like, I mean, the, the first game was uninspired. And I, and I really think one thing that's becoming, and I don't want to come back to this conversation about identity and mentality with the U.S. because we know it's a bunch of bullshit. But I will say, it did kind of feel like the U.S. lacked identity in that, and, and identity in a few ways. One, like, mostly, and I will say most of it hangs on playing style of, like, how are you going to come out? How are you going to set up in this game, in this game plan, like, kind of, I mean, it's really, like, who you are on the field. And I feel like pre-Vlaco, despite the acres and acres and acres of bullshit, and outside of, I'll say, the early Jalelis era, you kind of knew what you were going to get from this U.S. team in terms of how they were going to play, not even the people on the field, but even, like, sometimes I feel like the way that folks were, like, approaching things, you really knew what you were going to get. And I feel like, really, I mean, honestly, for what felt like a lot of Vlaco, like, Vlaco's era, you never really knew what you were going to get. You didn't know if they were going to play in a 4-3-3. You didn't know if they were going to play in a 4-2-3-1. And it's not saying that you can't change formations and kind of get get after the same thing and still have a, a playing like a, an identity throughout the team. But I feel like between that, but also if you think about like the early hockey line changes that Vlaco used to make and then going from that to like basically no subs, it's like whoever is going to take over this team has a huge job on their hands and not just saying because the U.S. expects like the U.S. soccer expects the team to win everything ever, but also like in kind of terms of getting that like almost like at times like a, a grittiness back to the team. And I think those young players like grittiness, almost like an energy. And I really do feel like those two, like ex- especially Shaw and Fischl coming in, like not only was the team playing better, but it also seemed like they were like breathing new life into the team. Like all of a sudden we yeah. started seeing players do more flicks, yeah. like in- enjoying themselves a bit more, like kind of becoming the, like harking, harkening back a little bit to maybe the U S that we kind of expect to come out in these matches um, and really, and almost making it more about like playing their game versus adjusting their game to their opponent. But I mean, obviously I thought that, you know, that 45 minutes was great. The U S was extremely dominant. Like Fischl had, them center backs and fits. Shaw was doing things that people weren't expecting her to do. Um, and also, to be fair, no, Linda Caseda was there because she was going to g- get ninth in the Ballon d'Or rankings, which I honestly think is really fair. She's fucking fantastic. But obviously, that helped the U.S. Were like they weren't always troubled defensively, even though Colombia got a good one on them before. I think the U.S. ended up scoring. There was a really big chance for Colombia to go in and make it one nil. But yeah, like. I know it's hard. It's hard to talk about this team because it's like you don't know who's going to be put at the helm, and hope and like truly less than a month or barely a month's time. Um, And also, like Twilight Kilgore, want like just continue doing Vlaco 2.0, and so and there like there's no sporting director on the women's side or like even a a GM on the women's side at the moment. So sometimes it's like hard to talk about the team, but it is good. Like I think a lot of people are now coming around to the ways that other teams can get at the u.s that we have been seeing for a while i mean but obviously go official chelsea legend already chelsea fan and <laughs> also go shaw uh, like and honestly Alyssa thompson yeah. too i think the three of them coming yeah. in sam coffee coming in 
Really enjoyed that. Finally. Finally. Fuck it. Finally. She's alive. I even saw, even Meg said, oh, she's, a, she, she's, a, she's allowed to get national team minutes. And I'm just like, thank you. Like, what, why? I just don't understand. And so like, my thing with what the team has been doing is, and this is, this is like one of my pet peeves and just like life is like the infinite, the elitism of infinite and, and the, and the creativity suppressing mindset of like infinite growth. So the team had a lot of success with a certain number of players. And so what do they do? Keep trotting out those players time and time and time again, because they think this is the formula. This will never change. Everything will be just fine. And especially in sports, things don't work like that. Like people thought like, I mean, not to cross too many sports, but people thought like the, the Golden State Warriors are going to win forever. You know, like the, the people, these are, this is not the way things work all the time. Like you can be Kansas City Current, great example. Not that people thought they were going to win all the time, but with the team they assembled with that talent, it was like, oh, they're going to be great this season. We'll see them right back in the championship because they were in the championship game when they weren't as talented. Bottom of the table, right? Like things don't work that way. It's hard to script that. And I know when you have success, you don't want to be the person that breaks it, but you have to have insight. You have to have foresight and you have to try shit. You can't just keep doing the same thing over, especially when your competition is international. It's global. Everybody's putting their best up against you. And everybody's playing their best up against you. Shout out to Zashira Musevich, who decided that she was going to ball out and then never play like that ever again or, or whatever. But like, Now, yes, sir, why like, did you bring is... that up? Because I'm still not over it. Like, not even the U.S. winning, but she hasn't done it again. <laughs> like, not even again at the international stage. <laughs> not at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, Alex Morgan, 34, what is this, an 11 game scoreless streak for her? And right now you like, on one hand, save her from herself. Cause she's like out here struggling. Soon as she misses a chance, she's doing like a Seinfeld smirk at like at, around, she looks around, she doesn't know what's happening. And it's like, yeah, this stuff happens. You don't just continue to be a great goal scorer for decades. It's very rare that these things happen. So like you're 34, it's time. it's been time for somebody else to step into that role. You have a different role you can play if you want to, but a coach, somebody needs to have that vision. Lindsay Aran, she turns 30 in May. Like we can't continue to rely on that her. Is bar- that's, I'm it's, sorry. It's wild, we need a, ain't it? We need, a, we need to have a, a pause right now. What do you <laughs> mean? Wild, Yes, she turns 30 in May. Emily Sonnet turns 30 next month. Like, of course, Crystal Dunn is 31, but she's still playing left back. You don't want to switch anything up. We got Emily Fox there to play left back. We've been talking about this kind of stuff. Emily Sonnet played in the U.S. Women's (laughs) National Team midfield before Crystal Dunn. She sure did. Let's talk about that. How upsetting is that? I'm not even saying Sonnet didn't do an okay job because as a ball winner, she was fine. But we need creativity. We need things from midfield. And we're still out here trying Crystal Dunn out saying, oh, well, this is just where she's going to play. Not, it's not when Emily Fox exists and also not when Casey Kruger, Kruger exists as well. Or Vignola. Where was she and at? May, Why didn't I mean, she play? that's facts too. You have people in this, you have people in roles and you can let Crystal Dunn cook in the midfield. Yeah, absolutely. And this is kind of what I mean. Like, if you want to stay on top, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. You have to act, continually reinvent yourself, ask questions, even if you're winning those big games or you're getting these big score lines, where can you improve in the margins? Where are some of the problems? Because like Courtney was saying, even when you would win games, sometimes you see some stuff happen where you're like, oh, that team just got sliced up a bit. Okay, so review, 
and see what can you do to make yourself even stronger? Because sometimes you're going to be playing, playing competition where you're not going to be able to drop three or four goals on them. And then the difference in you winning the game is not allowing one of those moments. It's been frustrating. This transition is way overdue. We, we've been talking for years here about like where the team is at, how it's continued to refuse to like move into the next generation. And now, the, I think now their biggest problem is there is such a backload of talent that has very little experience because they refuse to give it to them. So now if you're going to rely on Sam Coffey, she's not going to get a ton of minutes before she has to play in the Olympics. Same thing with Jaden Shaw, Mia Fischel. Um, you know, it, Sophia Smith is the nine. She got a couple games at it, but she needs to be the nine. And then you need to have a backup, Mia Fischel maybe, or you swap them depending on what you need against opposition because Mia Fischel can play and you can still get Sophia Smith out wide or maybe as a as a like inverted winger uh, to do some of the same type of number nine. Like you have to figure this shit out. And we're really, really late. But if you do, you can have the kind of fun that we had already with just two players, just two coming in and changing the entire vibe of the team. Should. So, well, also, you you expect Kat to be back? I'm praying. I am praying. We are manifesting, Andre. Positivity. (laughs) We we are. We are. Um, I swear. I will lose my mind when it happens. When it happens is what I say. Manifestation. Um, Yeah. I got distracted by myself by sh- shouting manifestation. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, there is an absolutely massive gap. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like, like Julie Ertz retiring kind of reminds me of like Shannon Box retiring. Where like you had, you had these legendary players that kind of made the position theirs in a way. And like, I mean, Box retiring is basically the reason why, um, Ertz got moved into the midfield. Quite simply, they were like, we need someone to to basically be there and really and like not only start owning that position, but it's like we, you know, we really need someone there. And there's nowhere along the pipeline, let's say, to have a, a player right there. Um, and so I mean, I that is a big question though, of you know, it, it isn't just a vet like, you know, vets in the front line that are retiring vets in the back line that are eventually going to retire but like you know there's still a question of the u.s doesn't have an eight or sorry it's not that there aren't eights that are qualified to play mm-hmm. as an eight a big cough to crystal dunn but also like i mean we haven't seen sam Mewis kick a ball <laughs> since yeah. what 2021 and also what they need like, to also be doing is figuring out like Corbin Albert. She's over there playing with PSG as a number six, uh, kind of like a deep plan number six or a deep eight sometimes. Mm-hmm. They might want to look at that as a solution as well. Because like uh, we said it before, the World Cup, the number eight's kind of an important role and nobody's playing it right now. And again, like you right. said, not that they can't, but nobody's playing it. Was, and that's how you connect your midfield and attack. Yeah, I was like, defensive well, attack. yeah, because I was like, you have people or like, I mean... I know Lindsay Horan doesn't actually like normally play as an or like she she she's a floater, but in terms of position, <laughs> like yes. if you watch like literally watch her play, like she doesn't actually like usually play as an eight. But if you need her to, you can play her as an eight instead of as a six. We've seen surprise to most of us that Emily Sonnet, at least for a few games, has has worked there. But you also have a Sam Coffee who works there well now. And there's, and like, even just thinking about the NWSL, there are so many players 
that can work there. Like, I mean, Christy Mewis honestly is a great left-sided eight. She's just hasn't been healthy in a while for being honest. Like, I mean, I'm not, I was going to make a shot for a player and then I decided against it, but like, it, it's just the entire problem with, <laughs> it's just the entire, it's, they play for Gotham and I'm not saying they're not quality. I just don't think they're there yet. Um, but it's not saying that, well, actually, first of all, you know, who, well, sometimes she, sometimes Juan Carlos puts her as an eight and it makes me mad. However, Yasmin Ryan. Yeah. Yasmin yep. Ryan. Um, but like, that's my point. It's like this, uh, the entirety, you know what? I could actually even make so many shots for, for players born in the U.S. playing for different national teams. Yeah. Tony oh, Payne. Well, I mean, that's that's a whole other thing. That, all that. the talent that we end up losing to because we d- either don't don't communicate, don't talk, don't don't track, or just don't and think these are players quality. that grew up. Yeah, these are exactly, and these are players that grew up in the U- U.S. system. I think what's even more concerning to me more than this coach or whatever is actually now that like, especially Andre, now that you brought it up is the pipeline that concerns me more. Yeah. Well, we also heard that with like Egarola, right? We heard that she was, she was considered, she was eligible. She was a player that we could have gotten. And then she was just like, well, they just ain't, ain't say nothing to me. And it's like, okay, well that's, that's great. I mean, I'm not saying like she's the best player in the world, but she's an important one uh, to have, especially at a, at a, at a at a position of need, you know? So uh, th- like, and she was young. Yeah. I mean, and quite good. And that is the one thing I know people hate triple G. They hate triple G. They hate bounce. <laughs> I call him old bounce pass. If you ever see me tweeting about old bounce pass, it's him. <laughs> oh yeah. It's if you've seen him, he does ba- the back of the, the bounce pass. Anyway, I will say to his credit, his only credit is he's gotten a ridiculous amount of like players eligible to play for the U S to play for the U S and maybe not, I'm not going to give the credit to us soccer, but I think they maybe had the realization that if they wanted to grow yeah, in the world was, stage, exactly. they were going to need it. And, yes, but on the women's side, it, it was, wasn't really a strategy. Yeah. It was <laughs> desperation, but on the U S side, they need to realize that unless you're going to completely overhaul the program. And it's not saying that like, and I know Silvs has said, it, and I completely agree. I think the U S has the deepest talent pool in the entire world. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. The amount of, especially for women's soccer, the amount of women and girls playing soccer in this country, it, it be honestly, as a, I can't lie, as a result of Title IX, is huge. The pool mm-hmm. yep. can be very, very deep. But the problem is, it's like, A, who are you bringing along and making sure that they're getting the proper training and are taking all the right steps to reach that level? But it's also like, because y'all want to market or are so concerned about marketing and ticket sales. And for a long time, there was a like, you know, that marketing and ticket sales, at least you're doing it for truly like the best players, the world beaters, everything. And you're also turning a blind eye to players who we saw. We saw this. We literally saw this past world cup ball on an international stage that were either part of us youth national teams it's a it's a really fun it's a really funny thing if you want to like go and look at who the us used to call in for the u23s U u20s etc players who are thriving on the international stage playing for other countries and like honestly my eyes really look to very specifically two countries really look to jamaica actually sorry three really look to jamaica really look to nigeria and also really look to mexico 
want to have a fun mm-hmm. experiment? Go look at the Mexican players that are currently called in. Look who was born in the U.S. How many times has Maria Sanchez yeah. dazzled us? Mm-hmm. Never called in. How many times has Diana Ordonez? And to be fair, Diana Ordonez like did choose Mexico, like. But like, I mean that that's the thing. Like the U.S. is starting to get at, at truly as the rest of the world starts to catch up, especially monetary, like in terms of financially, like uh, support starting to support these programs a bit better financially. Cause it was never, it was never a talent gap. It was a, an investment gap. The amount of players that the U S could potentially have playing for them right now. I didn't think of a player like, look, we, I mean, not to put, I don't think we should put her at left back or right back, but like even a player like Michelle Alozia has been fantastic for club and country, like so good and never even got a shout for the U S. Yeah. I, I think that's Swaby a great sisters. point. I think one of the things, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things for me is like, if the, if a player wants to play for another country, that's cool. Like, that's cool. A lot of these players though, grew up in, in the U S in the U S system. And it's just a matter of telling them that you're, they're good. They have a shot at making a team and keeping them in the system. If that's what it is, sometimes they go because that's the only like Deanna Donias knows she's not going to be the U.S. number nine. And so, of course, she's going to go somewhere where she plays. And, you know, there there are different reasons that, that players choose different national teams. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But what we're kind of the point I think we're making is that we give up on a lot of talent really early mm-hmm. and we don't track it and we don't find it. We don't recruit it. We don't do any of that stuff because it's just like here are our precious 23 players that are the best in the world and nobody can ever come close to them. And it's like, now, nah, like you need to have a big pool of players you can call on at any, pretty much any moment because you're going to need to change styles of play. You're going to need to do different things as the world continues to catch up. And you have to look at things more tactically than just like, who are the 23 players who you can like, you know, do the promo and marketing. And I'm glad you mentioned marketing as well, because the thing for me in that game, just going back to like the actual play on the pitch, you remember Alyssa Thompson's assist to Jaden Shaw? The way that Gen set up Z was a, It very much was. And what was that optostat? It was the first time two teenagers combined for a goal for the U.S. Women's National Team since they said at least 2000. It was, One, it was, was, it? It was 2001. Yeah, that's, that's wild. And also that's not great considering all the young talent that we have had since then. But the thing that showed me about that goal, go back and watch it. Lindsay Aran gets the ball. On the, on the turnover. She gives it to Alyssa Thompson. And I'm like, that's your role. Instead of them trying to make you be the central, make you the catalyst for the team, the face of the team, that's your role. You, you, you get the ball, you win the ball, you move the ball. That's your role. Central midfield is still a position of importance <laughs> and respect, as we know. But I thought, especially watching that, I actually thought she was going to turn and dribble into that space herself because we had seen that so many other times because even from being handed the number 10 from Carly Lloyd and all the marketing sense that she's supposed to be this, the face of the team moving forward. And it, no, actually you're not going to go very far if that's the case. And we saw that's the case. So for me, that was a perfect encapsulation of that's how you support this team. That's how you do it. Move the ball on, get somebody else, the ball in space that has those sharp attacking instincts. And it was a great play by Alyssa Thompson. She made a great run, bursted into space, and Jaden Shaw recognized exactly what was happening, got right in, in the seam of the defense uh, and got one. With those two touches Jaden Shaw took too, baller. Absolute baller. Filthy. The other thing Wait, sorry, we I need have, to talk I about, I have one though, more point, though, quickly. Talking about ignoring talent, okay. 
for a long time. You know, you yeah. know who never played in a U.S. youth team? Who? Pink Lava. I know. I'd say that's because it's Halloween. Roosevelt yeah, has never yeah, played yeah. in a U.S. youth team. Like, I mean, it's in the mud. <laughs> I mean, but like, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, that's how much talent these quote unquote scouts are missing. And I know that, yes, it's quite often that like the players that are involved in these youth national teams and like this is a thing around the world, they're involved in the youth national team. There's a great chance that you are going to make it to the senior team, right? But it's also like there are there's still a wealth of players out there that are getting missed, honestly, probably as a result of the pay to play system of like who can get you in front of national team couches. Couches, mm-hmm. scouts. <laughs> uh, I, I try to say coach and scout, and it became couch. Um, but I mean, like that is a part of it too. But I, I was like, I know we're going into the weeds, and we should probably move on. But it's because the well, first no, we actually the have first three halves of the matches weren't. We actually have one easy way to sum up everything we've been talking about, which was the interjection from PR homie Aaron Heifetz oh, when have mercy. asked about me official. This is exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about because you underrate talent, which is wild because me official grew up in that U.S. system, which is exactly the kind of thing we've been talking about. You underwrite, you, you disconnect, you devalue your own players sometimes, and it's brutal and it's wrong. And we saw exactly, again, Flacco never answered these questions wrong. So when the question came up for Kilgore, Heifetz jumped right in there and said, before she answers, Mia wasn't playing at this level. She was playing in Tigres and not at a, in a national team level. Is what he said. Now, Kilgore did go on to answer that question actually in a good way. Like she had decent, there wasn't, I don't agree with everything she said, but it was much, it was a much more nuanced answer than what she, what actually, what that was and what some of the other quotes were floating around. But for me, it's like, that's a signal of the mindset within U.S. soccer right there. Is that thinking that, especially putting down Liga and Mekis Femenil for absolutely no fucking reason. Again, those performances are good enough to get her to Chelsea. How in the hell aren't they good enough for you to even take a look at her until now? And Kilgore tried to say the timing wasn't right. And it's like, mm, I understand you got to tow that, like, you got to tow the company line, but it's all smelling like bullshit to me. And they got to get better at this kind of stuff. Well, and so the que- the question phrased to Kilgore was, and, I, and I, the thing is, I have it up here. Um, he goes by at Elchiva97 on Twitter. Um, and as part of the Two Balls and a Mic podcast, which is, covers San Diego soccer generally. Um, the question to Twilight Kilgore was, quote, Mia Fischel has been playing at this level the last couple seasons with Tigres. What took so long for the U.S. national team to take notice of her? Heifetz says, before she answers, Mia wasn't playing at this level. She was playing in Tigres and not at a national team level. So then some people reached out for comment being like, hey, you want uh, to rephrase your statement? To which our friends at Gal Pals uh, did reach out and um, Heifetz then said, I miss, quote, I misunderstood the guy. I thought he was equating playing at Tigres with playing on the national team. So when I said she wasn't playing, quote, at this level, end quote, um, it was more of a literal, quote, at this level, end quote. So that's like the context, right? First of all, I don't really like how the guy sounds, but uh, I, I mean, I, I, com- I completely agree. I think of one of two things, right? Like, so I immediately saw this and I was like, I don't like this. If she can get the attention of Chelsea, and like, and this is, and this is what we're talking about, right? We aren't saying start me official in the U S women's national team. I mean, I saw her play a little bit. And I was like, 
I think occasionally she can be started. But uh-huh, I'm saying yes. before, like before then, it was like for us, it was clear things aren't working. Like everyone's like, it's just sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And it's like, no, it's not. You're just being distracted by the goals and the goal tallies. Like things aren't working. But for us, we were saying, call in me official. Give her a shot. And so for people being like, oh, she did at Tigret. Like, and people saying, oh, well, she was good enough at Tigret to get a shout and get looked at by Chelsea and then transfer to Chelsea. It's obvious she should get a look at for the U.S. Women's National Team. And it, and then I, I saw a few tweets being like, I mean, that's not how scouting works. Like, you scout a player that you think has talent and then will hopefully grow into that talent. And I'm like, and like on the club level, and I'm like, okay, but isn't that exactly what these national team scouts should be doing? Like, we're not saying build the team around me official, even though now if you did, it'd be fun. But like, you're telling me that scoring 47 goals in 18 months, even against, let's say at times, not the greatest defenses, but the thing is she was scoring against everyone at Tigris. It wasn't just like she was scoring against like bottom of the table clubs. You can't tell me that that doesn't warrant at least a call up to camp. Like we're not, folks aren't saying put her in the starting 11, but it's like, you can't tell me that her scoring 17 and also... If me, let's say Mia Fisher was still in college and putting up these numbers, scoring, let's say she scored 47 goals across two seasons in college, you know for damn sure she would be getting called into national team camp. Because any player scoring that many goals, like in two seasons, is absolutely insane. And that's why she's been called into the 20, like the yeah. U20s, the U23s. Like she's been in the youth system. You know that your vets, especially your, like, to me more than anything, your your vets of the forward line, outside of, I'm going to say, Mal Swanson, are aging out. They're looking at retirement. They know, like, the majority of their careers behind them. So it's like there's no reason why I shouldn't be called in. And so that, and connecting it back to Aaron's, or sorry, Heifetz's quote about him saying that the journalist was asking saying that she's been playing at the level of the national team, but he said, no, she's been playing at Tigris. Those aren't, those are not opposite. I was going to say, also, if she's not playing at the national team level, that's because y'all aren't calling her in. So how is she supposed to fix that? Right, exactly. It's like, you can't, and it's like, you can't tell me that Mia Fischel has literally six weeks at Chelsea and has gotten to a national team level. She didn't have her official first. She hasn't had her, she hadn't had her debut for Chelsea until after a senior national team camp. Yeah. Like that did not happen. You can't tell me that six weeks and, and look, Chelsea might have the greatest environment in the world. We know that Emma Hayes came over and was coached for the Chicago Red Stars. Cause she wanted to learn about the quote unquote American mentality and the fierceness and all that stuff. And she 100% brought that to Chelsea, but you can't tell me that it's just like six weeks. And she was there because she, if she stayed at Tigres, I guarantee to you, We'd be tweeting at the U.S. Soccer being like, why aren't you calling her in right now? Because they would not, they 100% would not have called her in because you see how your director of comms is answer, answering when you're saying she was playing at this level a while ago. But you think Tigris is opposite of the U.S. Women's National Team when it's like Tigris is well supported. They're for the most part playing good football. You can't tell me that like. And they're always at the top of the table, too. So like top end of the table. So exactly. And it's like, you also can't, you cannot tell me that Mia Fischel did not learn and grow more at Tigres than a, she could have grown at 
the Orlando Pride when she was drafted there. We saw how Orlando oh, was that no. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But also, if she went to like somewhere in France, and also not to shame my French baddies, but like outside of Lyon and PSG, <laughs> and we know Paris FC has recently been a revelation. Hell but yeah, that's, my childhood club. But, okay, relax. But like <laughs> the majority of the of the leagues around the world, especially on the women's side, are not going to be as competitive as the NWSL. And we know that. We've laid it, how many times have we laid it out, the difference between the top and the bottom of the table? The fact that the NWSL this past season, at the end of the season, had a smaller gap between first and 12th than the WSL did between first and fourth. Like, it, it's just because Tigres is in Mexico. And I think that's what made so many of us mad. It was like, Tigres is not, those are not two opposite things of playing for Tigres was not playing for the national team. And as we will hopefully see for Chelsea this season, all the work, all the hard work that she was putting in at Tigris got her this move to Chelsea. And she's going to be able to flourish at Chelsea. Don't like it because it's it's Mexico. And y'all have a joint bid for 2031. I know we don't know where 27 is, but the U.S. and Mexico are supposed to have a joint bid for the Women's World Cup in 2031. And you are shitting on one of the biggest teams out of Liga MX Femenil. I only have two things to say. One, Jenny Hermoso has been playing for Pachuca Liga and Mekis Femenil since 2022. Had no problem. No problem. It's good. Still good on the international stage. Still good. Okay. The other thing I got to say is I need U.S. soccer to answer from this whole ordeal. All of it. Our frustration, our anger. I know we went long in this segment. We weren't really supposed to, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, this kind of happens when we talk about the U.S. Women's National Team. But the whole ordeal. High fits. All the conversation that Vlaco had about me, official, the league, all of that. The only question in my mind, or not the only, but one of the main questions that I need U.S. soccer to think about deeply, why does Chelsea have better scouts and talent recognition of one of your own players than a federation that's supposed to be behind winning four World Cups? Why are their scouts better than yours? I almost said someone wild and then I stopped. I mean, that's that's a question I need them to answer. I have my own thoughts and theories, but they're inside. They need to answer that question. Why was Chelsea able to do whatever you think of that league? They were able to do the assessments and say, okay, performing this league, doing these things in that league looks good to us. We're going to sign this player. Why weren't you able to do the same assessment? I'm, I'm just still like, this is one of those things. One of my favorite podcasts is called Still Processing, and this is something that I am still processing because it's like... That is a good podcast. I mean, it's it's the best. I'm still processing, but I'm just deeply frustrated by that statement. Because also you made the entire thing about you, and we just wanted to celebrate me official. Facts. She was yeah. so happy. She said, I love this team, and then put an American flag emoji. Right. Like Y'all don't deserve that. She <laughs> loves Y'all it. Don't deserve that. She loves footy. I love her love for footy. And we were just going to go and celebrate her and talk about her. And like I was going to post photos of her as a child in a Chelsea jersey. Like, and instead, we're talking about this instead of being able to ce- also celebrate these young players. Why? Because she spurned the league? Because that's also what I really think it is. Oh, you bring up something right at the end. That's I'm sorry. Like, we could talk another half I hour know, about I'm that. Sorry. We must move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have feelings. I'm still processing. <laughs>
Okay, so let's get into the NWSL semifinals because we got two really big bangery uh, matchups coming up, and I'm really excited about both of them. So let me tell you what they is. Uh, some Sunday, November 5th, you got the Thorns versus Gotham. That's in Portland. Kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. And if you are uh, international or got a VPN, uh, watch.nwslsoccer.com. Hey, just uh, bully your bartender instead to put it on a TV. True. Yes, do that, definitely. Uh, Wave play the rain in the other semifinal at 9.30 p.m. same day. Of course, Eastern Time, same thing, CBS Sports Network or watch.nwslsoccer.com. Courtney, I ain't even going like, I-, I think we'll split these up. You give us your preview of Thorns versus Gotham. I'll give my preview of Wave versus Rain, and then we'll move All on. All right, you go first. Oh, damn. I thought you were going to be ready to talk about Gotham. That's why I was just going to slide I'm looking. I'm looking for one statistic that I meant to look up earlier, and I forgot. Unless you go first. <laughs> All right. For me, this uh, – this is like the weird thing, I, and and I know I'm gonna uh, yes I'm gonna I'm gonna mention the thorns in Gotham, but Wabe Rain to me like is gonna be the complete opposite of what I expect from Thorns Gotham. I expect that game to be crunchy. I expect it to be a, you know, I mean it, it is the cooler battle, the the what with the cooler clash. What do we call it? Uh, with with Stony and Laura Harvey, but I really clash think of that, the like, tactically, Yeah, tactically, this is gonna be the matchup that's like it might be a tough watch for like the first half, maybe even the first hour. But I, I'm expecting it to be a little bit of a of a struggle. You're going to see a lot of different tactical tweaks and then tweaks and then adjustments to those adjustments and everything. I just think you're going to see like a real tactical battle between the two. And it, you know what? It's really hard for me to call. I know that like while we were doing this podcast, I saw that Jordan Heidema, because Canada's playing, uh, she took a hit to the head and was down for a while, and the game was paused. But apparently, she's back on the pitch and everything's fine. Uh, so we'll see how she's able to recover from that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Roosevelt was also not with the U.S. camp, so apparently, she's been training, and she's a very important player for them, game-changing type of player as well. I don't really know how to call this one. I just know like it's gonna be it, it's gonna be one. I'm glad it's the second kickoff. Because for me, you're going to get like your fun for the first one. And then you're going to have to like settle down with like your protractor and all the, and all the like the, the like you know, abacus. What other some nerd shit? What, what else? What else you need? Protractor? That's what I said. Didn't um, <laughs> oh, I probably pronounce it slightly differently. So my brain was like, that's oh. a different thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know. What, Whatever. So Y'all, you're going to need, you're gonna need that, I think. Are you going to say stethoscope? You know what? I'm not even going to leave you hanging on that one because that popped in my head too. And I had to tell myself, don't say that. That's wrong. <laughs> you were like nerd thing in my brain. I was thinking, I was like tools, doctor tools. That's exactly how my brain went. Um, yeah, yeah. Micro- I did the same thing. I was like, nah, don't, don't do that. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, all, all of that. Bring all of that to that game because I think... But we probably need like an all 22 for that matchup because I think you're just going to see so many different changes in, uh, from from both managers. And so I'm I'm excited to watch it, but I am not expecting the goal fest the same way I'm expecting it for Thorns Gotham. That is my lovely transition to you. So I hope you found that. Stuff. Oh, that's hilarious because I don't think Portland. I think both Portland don't know how to play any other way. What do you mean? Are you as in they either score a lot of goals or concede a lot of goals or both? <laughs> I mean, fair. I just all they do. Um, just a quick, one tiny quick thought about San Diego Rain. The only thing I'm 
concerned about is um, we haven't always seen teams perform super well when you have a bye in the NWSL. It's like normally those matches are a lot more competitive than you think by like you winning the shield. Um, But also the weirdest bit about it is that there's been an international break in between. Uh, Emily Van Eggman, who is really important for San Diego, has traveled a bajillion miles. Um, That's an actual stat. Um, And to get part of Olympic qualifying for Australia. Um, And I know she played some significant minutes, I think, in I believe, in their first game. Um, So that's, you know, going to be a question, too. Does, like, for Alex Morgan, does she continue the form? I mean, we know that she's been scoring goals, at least for club, but, like, does how she's been playing for the national team, like, maybe affect how she's been playing for club? We don't know. So I think, I actually think that match is probably going to be more fun because I also think at one point... Uh, Laura's just going to be like training wheels off, like just go for it. Like Pino, just go turn up. Um, and you have a Rose Lavelle who's back who loves creating chaos. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but for Gotham, Portland, can't lie, I'm a little bit nervous for my Gotham girlies. And so, Andre, the stat I have for you. You wanted the last time that Gotham won at Portland? Ooh, that's a good question. When was it? Are you ready for this? Maybe. Tell me and I'll tell you if I'm ready. <laughs> June 17th, 2017. They Damn. have not won at Portland in a very long time. Honestly, Port like but the Oof. entire matchup between Portland and Gotham, they're Oof. they're head to head across and to be fair, this is across all competitions in the history of these competitions. Has been th- Gotham has 3 wins, Portland has 11, and there has been 5 draws. Good lord. Like, that's brutal. Gotham has, I know we were talking about like Old Rain over, like having this big overcoming to win their first playoff match since 2015. But Gotham has that too. Like, them going to Portland, there's a lot of history between these two sides. Obviously, Gotham just lost like 1 0 and had, you know, a ton of chances against Portland. We're unable to convert them. Um, also, thinking like there's definitely still history between these two. Clubs thinking about that crazy 3-3 on the last day of last season at Gotham. But, norm, like, honestly, Gotham normally goes to Portland and tends not to perform super well. I will say in the last, like, since 2021, outside of a, a basically a 5-0 bogey uh, in July of 2022, the games have been a lot tighter. It's been losses by, like, you know, one goal, basically, like, or just nil-nil ties. Um, I'll sing back to the Challenge Cup. It was that set, like, those crazy penalties that were 7-6. Gotham got that late um, equalizer, thanks to Ifiana Manu. There's, like, a lot of, there's a lot of history, really, between these two clubs. But the thing is, it, it hasn't really gone in Gotham's favor. Maybe that means they come in with a huge chip on their shoulder and really want to, like, kind of silence this portland crowd um i still think it's a beautiful time for sinead farley to score hat trick just saying um monashim too i'd be here for it assists all three or scores another three just saying (laughs) um but yeah gotham normally does not go to portland and perform well they've i mean i uh, to be fair i looked at the stats of all time Going back to 2015, so to be fair, we're missing about, I want to say, one season's worth of games. But Gotham also has only won at Portland once 
at least from what I'm looking at. And that was that game in 2017 where they won two one. So I think it's gonna it's yeah, gonna you know it's gonna be a lot of it's a lot of questions for Gotham. Sophia Smith is back now too. It's gonna be a headache. Yeah, I was gonna say she got us her first yeah. start was with that second U.S. Women's National Team game, so she's ready to start. Oof. Right. So I mean, it's I can't lie. It's it's gonna be a it's like going to be a a big a big wolf um, for this game, but also at the same time, you get Allie Krieger who seems to be a really I can't like kind of galvanizing the team and is like she has that energy of like I am never leaving like you know what I need I need Gotham to win because I need another Juan Carlos Amaros it's not Ali Krieger's last game I know I was like that's so sweet I also need it to be an old I don't want to call an old head off because they're really not old um I it's (laughs) I've just been I've I've been communicating too much with Nubia um I mean everybody wants the Krieger peanut I was like everyone wants an elder millennial yeah <laughs> elder we millennial NWSL final, um, and look, I I don't blame them. I I don't blame them. So, um, I mean, I can't lie. That is what they want, and I don't blame them. So, I, I but I do think Gotham really does have Gotham really has their work cut out for them. They really do. They do. I got two things to say. The first one is uh, apparently Jordan Heidema scored a goal. A header um, in that game against Brazil. Oh, so that's good. She, she was down getting well. uh, getting treatment for a head yeah. injury. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's good news. Uh, also, I mentioned it because Ashley Lawrence provided the assist. So Period. always here for shouting out Ashley Lawrence. Andre, I have one addendum. Sorry, Gotham has uh, per FB Ref, which is slightly more up to date than what I was thinking. Gotham has won away at Portland four times in the, the entire okay. history. But okay. the most recent when time was, most recent? was no, it was still September. I was still uh, not sorry, not okay. September. It was still June twenty seventeen. I was just looking up to twenty fourteen, okay. right. but still, yes, they have not ha- have not won there since I was. You want to make want me to make you feel old really quickly? Nope, sure don't. I was since the last time I was in college. <laughs> yep, moving on to my to my last point before. <laughs> Actually, for one of them, I might have been studying abroad. Went. Absolutely oh my not. gosh, uh, I was studying abroad the last time they won. <laughs> my very final point on these matchups, because we're gonna move on from that. Let's move on. Um, is that I, despite what you think, want Gotham to win. However, oh, I will say, I will say the meme is locked and loaded in case y'all lose, just so you know, you will see it no matter what. Like you will see it if you take the L. Look, all so I'm don't saying, get mad at me. All I'm saying is your twin warning. All I'm saying is your twin dressed up as Slenderman this weekend, my guy. And y'all are about to be the bumblebees. The spirit Halloween bumblebees. <laughs> I had that joke waiting all day. What? I'll take all these shots, but listen. I've been waiting for that spirit Halloween the, bumblebee the all day. Batman. Don't lose. Do not lose. I am ready to hit the sin button it will go out immediately well gotham now you, want you to now you know you got to win it all so that way i can hold that against andre exactly. for a full nine y- yes and, and and i want gotham to win the whole thing i told you like i ain't hating it's just a funny meme so i gotta drop it uh, awesome. all right slender man <laughs> whack all right uh anything else before we move on to uh ballon d'or talk and some heated and hyped um that the u.s U19 women's children's youth national team cut Chile's lead against them to one. That's their official name. 
The U.S. Women's Children's Youth National Team. Okay. All right. Never seen that before, but take your word for it. Uh, They're playing the Pan American Games. Else. Yes, yes. We can, we can keep it moving. Yeah. I was like, we can keep it moving. Okay. All right, so the Ballon d'Or was, which is the Golden Ball, which is, you know, a prestigious European award. But Eitana Bomati won the award, which, you know, shout out to her. I think that was one of the, it was like the consensus pick. You know, she's been balling. She's been great. Uh, Stepped into that role with Pateas going out with the ACL injury. She led Barcelona. She led uh, Spain to the World Cup, even though there's plenty to talk about with Spain in that World Cup. But she also had a nice statement talking about them being role models and push for change so like i always appreciate uh players who take that role take that view making the game better making the world better giving the platforms that they that their talent affords them so i'm really happy for her i think it was great and i also have to say she may have as much as it pains me she may have made the right decision to stay at barcelona and not go to the university of oregon because uh, apparently she was about to do that <laughs> don't wish that upon her I didn't. I just said she maybe made the right decision, but I'm also like, damn, imagine like we could have had her like she could have she could she could have just been like, I wonder how she would have balled out at like Oregon. She might have been like a top. Even if she balls out here, we also know that those voters are weird when it comes to the NWSL. So I don't think anybody. Yeah. Well, I don't think she would have won the Ballon d'Or no matter what she did here. But, you know, I still again, like we said off top. If she wants to, if she wants to still pursue that American dream, I got some, I got some ideas for her. Wait, Andre, but I have a question. So this was based off of last year, where yes. Sophia Smith, yes, was second in the Golden Boot race. Yes. What happened to the player that got the Golden Boot? Mm. <laughs> I really wish I took a screenshot of our picture. <laughs> All I'm saying is go look who was a golden boot and she's nowhere in the standing. Of course not. You trying to get me, you trying to get the stands after me. I, I am not trying to get the already, stands after you. <laughs> I already said what I said, so you know. Well, she, I mean, but it's, it's a I mean, even though I will say not advocating for her, however, it is how they treat the end of they just don't know what to do with the NWSL. Like the only know yeah. the only time they're like, oh, a good American player is like when Pino balled out Pino. at the World Cup. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Also, it's, so, yeah, and, it's, and it's all based on World and Cup. And I really do think so much of this voting is based on World Cup, even though a lot of it is still very suspect to me, like how Wendy Renard was 26. Like, yeah. Captain. And no disrespect to Selma Paralelo, but um, fourth? Like, so, like, truly, so much of it is World Cup based. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, the fact exactly. that Mary Earps was also, like, what she was in the top seven. She had a rough day today. Didn't she? she had a rough, rough day today. But Belgium on her head. Nick Everard. <laughs> um, but <laughs> my point is, is so much of this is it's like really base. And I know on, uh, on the men's side, like it goes through a lot of bullshit too. But like it's so evident on the women's side that the majority of these people also like are just only paying attention um, really to the World Cup because it's like. How is a Wendy Renard that low? How is like honestly? How is a Bunny Shaw that low? But, like not like yeah. But it, I mean, I just know I just said a lot. Of, I just made a lot of noises. Um, but it's <laughs> it's almost like you can't have it both ways. Where it's like they're really focused on the World Cup, but only for some. Because I was like, how does Bunny Shaw scoring 
a bajillion goals for Manchester City. I believe she broke a record for how many goals Manchester City scored by a single player on the women's side, like last season, like as well as leading Jamaica to their like as captain of the squad, leading them to their first uh, Caribbean nation's first ever round of sixteen appearance. Like, how is she so low? And no shade to or maybe a little bit of shade to Rachel Daly. Like how is Rachel Daly number nine? Like it just, none of it makes sense. Like also Salma, absolutely fantastic player is still continuing to kill it for Spain, but like she didn't even win the, like the, the Pichichi, Pichichi, I think, yeah. which is their golden boot. Like it, yeah, it's like, it works for some, but not for others, but also like Diani at 14 when Diani killed it for PSG last year, as she does every year. And also like led France in gold contributions this world cup like not it just it don't make sense it only like world cup performances only apply for some but also very much yeah like don't apply for others and it just it makes me mad but also shout out to yeah, lena Caicedo. that's the one exception yes. i'm fine with she's number nine <laughs> and she's my everything yeah, I've I've been trying not to let myself get frustrated by these things because I think the more like what I try to do is find ways to where like can either counter them with our own kind of like rankings or thoughts throughout the year about certain players, but it is very difficult because it's just like that is a very there's a big stage, it's a big event, it's got a lot of history, it's a thing they've been doing for a bit and you know the the women's um you know, award has, is kind of new, you know, that it hasn't been around for a while. And so you just hope that the voters continue to take it more and more seriously throughout the year. And again, with the winner, they got it right. I believe Sam Kerr, number two is right. But the rest of this list is just wild uh, in how they rank them. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's very much skewed toward World Cup and, and it probably shouldn't be because the, this, the scope of the award is much longer than just the World Cup. These are not World Cup awards, but like Miyazawa is 12th. And yeah, she scored like, what, five goals during the World Cup? Five or six. Yo, she was great. Meat. Yeah, I, I really loved watching her. Like I said, I loved watching Japan, but she's ahead of Diani. Goro Raiten? Okay, f- first of all, and Money look, Goro, that nah. hurts for my girl because she should have won yeah. Player of the Year in England last season. And it was given to Sam. And I yeah. love... Samantha May boots down, yes. but <laughs> everyone knew it should have been Guro, who I believe also had 19 assists, which is yeah, she was ridiculous. a ridiculous amount of assists for club play. And so it, like it counts for, it's like it boosts some and then counts against others, but also who it boosts and who it doesn't isn't actually dependent on their world cup performance. Yeah. Like it yeah. just, it's <sighs> weird. It don't, it's weird. Can't tell me. But even can't beyond tell me that, that, Katie McCabe is higher than Kadisha oh, Mish. Listen, Kadisha Katie Mish. McCabe thinks they got to just. I don't, I don't know. It hurts anyway, my spirit. <laughs> the it, apart from the rankings, there were also some some deep flaws with this. So of course, the the award ceremony itself took place during a women's international break. Who a lot of those players were playing with their national teams and couldn't go to the ceremony. Uh, that's kind of rude. That's messed up. That shouldn't happen. Also, if you watch the ceremony, they didn't even have the award on stage when they were giving it to Bomati. Like they had to run back and grab it and bring it out to her. So they basically like she just shook hands and was like, okay. And then they finally got it to her. But who'd she shake hands with? 
Novak, women's tennis players don't deserve equal pay, Djokovic, presented the award? First of all, I'm not too sure if the people at the Ballon d'Or know, but like Novak Djokovic plays tennis, which is in soccer. So I don't really understand this this connection that they're trying to make or force. But also this dude, like, yeah, he walked it back a bit because he got a lot of smoke, especially when like Serena Williams, he said that like peak Serena Williams' run when she was like bringing in money to all of tennis, like dominating and, and getting the raising the level of endorsements for everybody, the men's tour and the women's tour. And that's when he said that shit is like people ain't here to watch you like her finals are absolutely dwarfing your matches. But anyway, he dropped that, walked it back a little bit. But still, I would think that you could get somebody better to present that award and not a dude who's like basically a glorified men's rights activist. So like, nah, I, like they just really messed also, that entire that thing made, up from my mind. And it made me big mad because I was like, there's like 200 people who mean so much more to women's football. Also, if you want to include a tennis player, Serena's right there. Heck, Carlos Alcaraz. Right. My boy Carlitos is right there. Like Anybody but. It made no sense to me, but I was also like, you know who's um, technically not doing anything right now because the international window is technically still going on? Former winner Megan Rapinoe is right there. Marta is right there. I know technically she's playing right now against Canada, but besides the point, like Formiga, like there are so, there are so many people that you could have presented this award to that are meaningful and also not a slap in the face. And yet here we are. Yeah, it was real annoying and it continues to be real annoying the way they treat it. And you know what, in the, in the, in the realm of things that are extremely annoying, should we just move on to our heateds? Because I definitely have one. And actually, we might have a joint heated, actually. We probably do, because I'm, I've now re-looked at this list, and I'm big mad. <laughs> I I paused the mad, but now I'm even more big mad. Because Yeah. Why? It's extremely I'm mad. trying really hard not to just only shout out Arsenal players. But I'm also like, <laughs> sometimes, why are you right there? They didn't even have a, didn't even have a good season. Like this was a bad. This was a bad season from them. All, all. I mean, they made it to the semifinal, I believe, of the Champions League, but they were not good but in the league. Also, and, how like Alex Pop? How is she seven? Yeah. I don't know. Not, none of none of it makes sense. None of it makes I don't sense. Know. I don't know. It's pain in my heart. Yeah. Also, my last thing about the Ballon d'Or: create an award for women's goalkeeper because it don't make no sense. Yes, please. And also create yeah. a a Golden Girl award. Why? Why I mean, doesn't exist? Thing, like. Like they so they did the big award and they're like yay we did it but it's like how about the others like there's players deserve these recognition no matter what like so what you give to men's players give I'd love a women's Puskas like if you got to separate them fine I'd still love to see Puskas award like women's goals in there but they rarely ever give it to a woman I don't think they've ever given it to a goal a score by a women's player but like yeah, whatever not. they got to do like like let's do it like elevate the game this is the whole point of these award things that's what it's supposed to be. And speaking of elevating the game, Andre just stood up. I'm sorry, you walked right into it. Organizations. So you just walked right into it. It was so easy. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Organizations that are supposed to do these things, such as FIFA, their primary charge is to grow the, gla- grow the, gla- grow the game around the world. Apparently, they have announced today that the 2034, 2034, so that's over a decade away. That World Cup 
is going to be held in Saudi Arabia, the Men's World Cup. Now, we're not going to talk about that decision. We will absolutely talk about that later because, again, I had the same issues with Qatar, all of that. But my biggest problem is, as it relates to women's soccer is, we still don't know where the hell the 2027 World Cup is going to be played, and that's just in about three years. Where? How are you? How do you? How do you have the bid closing? How do you have the bid closing for 2030? What? 34? 34. Today, and we don't know where the World Cup right. is in three years. Yeah. Make it make sense. I cannot. It makes absolutely zero sense. It is so stupid. And it's so frustrating because this is this was like it was kind of a joke during the last World Cup, but like it's not a joke no more. Where is the damn World Cup gonna be? It's so stupid. I don't really understand why this is a thing, why we still don't know when this World Cup is going to be played. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I knew. I wish we all know. So I could make travel plans. I could figure out my Would life. Be lovely. Would be I would, lovely. People would like to go and cover these things. I would love to have those plans already, but yet we don't know. And somehow for every other major world competition outside of the Women's World Cup, you know. I know where the yep. 2028 Summer Olympics will be. They probably also announced 2032. Yep. I probably just haven't paid attention yet. We know where all of these things are going to be, and yet we don't know where the Women's World Cup is. I've used this phrase before today, be fucking for real. Be fucking for real. That's ridiculous. You should be ashamed. The 2032 Summer Olympics are going to be played uh, in Australia. See? Already know. We already know. And why? Why do they announce yep. it so early? So that way countries or and or regions or countries in those regions have time to get all the preparation in place so they can start building for this. Because they know for the majority of countries around this world, they need new infrastructure or updated infrastructure to host an event of that magnitude. And yet we don't even know where 2027 will be, and when inevitably something stupid happens there, you'll be like, how did this happen? And it's like, well, if you named it more than 18 months early, these countries would be prepared. It makes me big mad. Yeah, it makes me extremely mad. And it's like, so Gianni, Gianni Infantino goes on all these little, you know, has these speeches that he thinks are excellently crafted. Like, he, I don't know what he thinks in his mind, but he always sounds stupid. And one of the things he told everybody is like, women, you tell us, tell us what to do. And it's like, well, we've been begging you and your dumb ass to tell us where the, the next World Cup is going to be. And you've continued to ignore that. And like, they haven't even addressed it. They hadn't even said, like, here's the timeline or here's when we're going to make the announcement or even... Here's like the two or three places we're considering. We don't know nothing. They could come out and say anything and we'd be like, okay, cool. But we've got no, I haven't seen a single report on where it even could be. I just know it won't be Australia and New Zealand because it was just there. And it won't be Mexico or the U.S. because that's the 2031 bid. Apart from that, any, and it won't be France because it was just in France in 2019. Apart from that, I ain't got no idea where it's going to be in the world. No clue. And that's a bit of a problem. So, yeah, that's extremely annoying. Um, Courtney, was that our co-heated or do you have another heated um, uh, to add to the pile? No, and maybe you should bring on uh, my favorite, one of my favorite people of all time, Shereen Ahmed, to come talk about this. Yeah. But it was also just that a, a ban was lifted for women to be able to go into stadiums and watch football in Saudi Arabia. It was lifted in 2018. Like, I would love to have her on the show to talk about it, but it's also like... I, and I know 2034 is 
over a decade from now, but it's like, it's like that just also can't be lost on me of like, this is supposed to be a tournament for all. And I mean, look, we saw what happened. That's what they keep trying to say. That's what they keep trying to say. And we know what happened. Clearly you're not making decisions that reflect that at all. And also that's going to be another winter world cup again. Yeah. Which that was such a great, Uh, such a great, such a great idea. I mean, well, on a personal note, it was great for me because I didn't have to work. But <laughs> for the rest of everyone else, they were still working and it was not yeah. great. And then actually, yeah. and then the back end of the season was a shit show. But outside the point, like, that is also not lost on me. And I would love to have, we're, we're going to manifest, aka I'm going to send a DM after we're done, to have Shireen come on. <laughs> the, um, the direct manifestation. Because, like, that <laughs> is a fact, like, that is a factor of it, of it too. And, like, also, I'm not making this argument just for Saudi Arabia. If they decided to bring, I mean, well, we know the World Cup is coming to the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And I know people oh, are going to yeah. be like, why don't you shout about how the U.S. treats its citizens? And it's like, first of all, we do. Sure do. Is it going to be safe for all we these people? the World Cup either. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> will it be safe for all of these people to come to the U.S. with a state of gun nope. violence? No. Nope. It's not. Abortion laws, LGBTQ oh, laws, and rights. How they treat black back, people, but, yeah. like... It's yeah, that's the, that's the other thing bad. that cracks me up. It's Whenever bad. people say that, I'm like, you realize I'm black and I live in this country, right? Like, you th- y'all think I'm just flying the flag for this country? Like, you think I'm a, I'm unaware of what this country does to people that are marginalized? Like, get out of my like. Face. It's I, I mean, yes, it is. It is 100 percent bad everywhere, and also keeps progressively getting worse for lots of people everywhere. And you and I guarantee you can make that argument yes. for many, many countries around this world but it also is not lost on me that there are still some countries in this world where women cannot go into stadiums and to be fair lgbtq people cannot safely exist in those countries either yeah yeah, right exactly that is a part of it too but it's also like fifa is supposed to be the protector of the game of the world and bring and help spread it around the globe and grow it and all these things and a world cup is a huge factor of that and you are bringing it bringing it to a place where half of the population in the world for a long time couldn't even go like watch games in person so yeah yeah Yeah, well well we need to plan that episode we have plenty more to say about that but of course again plenty of time because that's 2034 and we already and we already know (laughs) already know exactly that so yeah okay so we're not going to leave on a bad note we need to leave on a hype note so courtney i think i'm gonna go first with my hyped because mine is pretty simple um I'm I just like like in terms of identifying future ballers and not just like US women's national team because I think we do get really focused on the US women's national team some can make it but I really look at like where these players might play professionally elsewhere whether it's the NWSL or anywhere else one good place to see like a good crop of talent is coming is watching college soccer. So the NCAA conference tournaments are going on. They've already been bangers. I saw there was a game winner with like 58 seconds left, which by the way, yes, they do game winners. There's like a countdown clock. Um, they they stopped the golden goal now in overtime. So you do get two overtime periods, which I don't love, but whatever. Um, I saw today as well. Uh, I think Georgia was down a player and a goal to Kentucky and Croy Bethune scored uh, the equalizer. Uh, and then they won two one late. Um, so like the games have been great. We've seen some great goals. I saw outside the fuck flick to the inside of the far post uh, from a Texas A&M player. Like, yeah, it's been real fun to watch and it's only going to get more fun, especially as these tournaments progress. But as the college cup also takes shape and it kicks off, like we're getting to the era of the time of the year when like 
it's really fun. And if you kind of want to do your own like sneak peek at the draft, yeah, not every single players on a team that like is going to go far in these tournaments that, that will be drafted. But still, you can you can learn a lot by watching these games and trying to see if you can find players that you think are dope uh, or that you think you want to follow the rest of their career. So it's just it's really fun. So I encourage folks, if you got ESPN Plus, check it out. Basically, most of the games are on there. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm hyped about. Uh, Courtney, what are you hyped about? I have too many negative thought, thoughts swirling around my head to be excited about something. Um, uh, you know what? But... I was gonna, I was gonna help you out, but uh, you got. I was like, yeah. I will say the Halloween co- people have been killing it with the Halloween costumes this year. <laughs> Not just yes. the ones that are also related. Shout out to Freddie Casey Krueger. <laughs> Go look on Twitter if you want to know what That's that is. One of my favorite. It's about time somebody did that, but it's it's executed so well that I can't even like. You just got to go see it. We retweeted it. Go check our Twitter account. It is hysterical. It is hysterical. But honestly, everything that people have been doing this year, I've been basically just watch TikTok compilations of people being dressed up for Halloween and they've people have really gone off. They've been just across the board have been really good. One that took me out is um someone dressed up as a shrimp from Shark Tale. That was absolutely hilarious and there was absolutely no reason to do it. Um Casey Kruger dressed up her baby as baby Dracula and it's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my god. Um but yeah all the Halloween costumes from like Kids, people, I've been getting photos of my coworkers' kids and my boss's kids dressed up, and it is, and my cousin, like my baby cousins, it's really cute. Um, and my two baby nieces were pumpkins. This is the most adorable pictures I've ever seen in my life. God, it's the cutest thing. I, <laughs> so I feel like we should decree um, that every baby's first Halloween, they need to at least for one day be dressed up as a pumpkin because there's dang near yeah. nothing cuter than a baby in a pumpkin. It's just adorable. Um, it is absolutely adorable. But yeah, all the. Halloween costumes have been great. Also, like, um, what is it? Carrie Washington as <laughs> Shakari was really, really good. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> like, perfect. Uh, what, Asia Wilson as all the characters from Kids Next Door. I said, <laughs> I stand. I stand with imme- uh, like immediately. Um, and yes, they've been the Halloween costume. People really popped off this Halloween. And I love that because I think it needed to happen. But also, shout out to uh, Ellie Jean who dressed up as Britney Spears and Jenna Nyswanger, who dressed up as David Beckham, because that was <laughs> that, hilarious. That was extremely funny. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we keep seeing them. I think we'll probably see more uh, tonight and, the, and, and tomorrow as we continue to see more photos hit the timeline. So yeah, we're going to share a bunch as well. Cause they're hilarious. I also see somebody balling over here in like the Gwen uh, spider, spider woman uh, outfit, which is hilarious. I don't even know who it is, but it's very funny. Oh, it's Ariel powers. That's, that's hilarious. She's actually killing people in this, uh, in this outfit. It is hilarious. Um, but yeah, that, that it is one of my favorite parts to just see how into it people get. Um, also, to close this out on a good note, Deanne Rose just scored for Canada. Love it. She did. Love it. Don't love that she for Brazil. I don't, but, but hey, Deanne Rose. Shout out to, I was it. like, shout out to Deanne Rose. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was easier yeah, okay, to watch okay, these Courtney. games, but they've also been impossible. That's what I'm secretly. Yeah. Who has the rights to the... Someone buy the right. Give me money so I can buy the rights to the Women's Nations League. <laughs> Seriously. I want to watch those games, and I don't want a VPN yeah. or jump through six hoops on a ring of fire to try to watch these games. All right. Well, we were going to leave on a, on a, on a hype note, but you know Sorry. what? We're just going to leave on that note. <laughs> no, that's fine. Cause I agree. I co-sign everything you said. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Send us your photos of your babies and dogs. I saw 
Someone dressed up their pit bull as a ball pit. <laughs> it was so cute. It was fantastic. <laughs> the greatest thing oh, I've ever God. seen. <laughs> literally the greatest thing I've ever seen. We can end on that note, but it was literally the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I love ending on that. All right, then. Time for the bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.